Two people today are top performers, and um, you've probably never heard their names before. I would imagine you, if you've heard them, you still can't quite pronounce them. But we are familiar with top performers. If I were to say to you, Justin Timberlake or Jennifer Lawrence, what do they do? They're entertainers, actors, actress, uh, singer. Taylor Swift. How I many of you know Taylor Swift? Look what you made me do. All right, Taylor Swift. Um, Bruno Mars. How many of you, I know all of you know Bruno Mars. How, how many of you, how many of you over 40 know who Bruno Mars is? Oh, really? This is a very intelligent group. All right. Current. You know, pretty sinful, but current. All right. Um, how about, um, what, what field is this guy in? He's a top performer in Jordan Spieth is a top performer in? He's a golfer. All right, very good. How about these two sisters? They both play tennis. What are their first names? Gosh, you guys are on top of things. Do you know your Bible like this? Um, How about Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, LeBron? What do they play? They play basketball. It's football season. I'm a diehard Colts fan. However, however, Tom Brady plays what position? For what team? What's the coach? Bill Belichick. He's won five Super Bowls. He has five rings. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I searched for a politician who was a top performer. (laughs) Couldn't find one. I'm still still looking. So um, these two guys today that we're going to talk about, Bezael and Aholiab. Say Bezael. Aholiab, Bezael, Aholiab. These were household names. Outside of Moses, Caleb, and Joshua, these guys were like on jerseys. They had numbers. Everybody knew these two guys because they were top performers. And so on this Labor Day weekend, a little different message, but we're going to talk about what does it look like to be a top performer? And is there a connection? between your performance, not not to get to heaven, that's grace. We're not talking about that today. But as far as does your work environment, does your ability to be really good at something open doors for you as a Christian? Open doors for you to talk about Christ. Open doors for you to be able to invite somebody to church. So we've got two amazing people today. And here was the job description. So Moses puts out this amazing job description, and who in the world can build a tabernacle, an an altar of burnt offering, an ark, a lampstand, a mercy seat, an apod, a breastplate? This is the job description. We need some skilled workers. We've got some construction projects. In fact, there are 10. There will be 10 construction projects that will take place, and God is looking. Here's the job description. Now, here's the skills. The skills... And you need references on this, skills and references. Must be an artist advanced in gold, silver, and bronze. Not only that, you must know how to cut gigantic stones and how to set them perfectly. Yeah. Skills needed to apply. You must be a master carpenter. You must be able to engage in the crafts to make curtains, rods, rings, and priestly clothes. Now, this is amazing. Absolutely amazing. The skills that were necessary and the job that was about to take place. Moses is getting ready to launch into 10 construction projects. So 
Here's the scripture verses. Listen, lean in, pay attention, and we'll talk about these two guys. What's the, what are their names? Bezael and Aholiab. That's good, all three of you. All right. Now, <laughs> when we talk about work today, we talk about work. How do we measure work? Well, I think, I think a single mom works. I, I think a dad works. I think our grandfather works. I think there's a lot of ways to work. But how do we as Americans measure work in the business world? Well, consumer price index, the unemployment rate, payroll rate, average hourly earnings, producer price index, deflation, inflation, productivity, U.S. import-export price index, and employment cost index. Now, some of you in the room are going right now, man, I don't know anything about this. All I know is I don't like my job, and when can I retire? Right? Well, there's a whole lot to this. No, don't amen that. That wasn't good. No, no, don't, don't, don't encourage that. So is there a connection between your work and your leverage for Christ? Is there a, is there a tie-in between your ability to be really good at something and your opportunity to have doors open for you to invite your friends or invite your family or invite your neighbors to Christ? I, th- I think there is. So here we go with these two guys, Exodus chapter 31. The Lord now, see the Lord's saying this. The Lord says to Moses, I have chosen Bezazel, son of Uriah, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Now, friends, I believe God does that to everybody. I believe every child is born with an incredible potential. I believe sometimes God shows up, and sometimes God shows off. And when he shows up, and when he shows off, he does that in people. And he has filled you with the Spirit of God. He has filled you with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge. And he's given you all kinds of skill. I've made him very gifted so he can make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and for bronze. To cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. I've given him ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. The tent of meeting. Here are the building projects. The Ark of the Covenant of the Law with the atonement cover on it and all the other furnishings of the tent. The table, the articles, the pure gold lampstand, its accessories, and the altar of incense. The altar of burnt offering and its utensils and the basin with its stand. God's got a lot of, he's going to get ready to do here. The woven garments, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. The anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place, they are to make them just as I commanded you. Now, the bean counters at this moment are going, well, how are we going to pay for this? Right? Say that. How are we going to pay for this? Say it again. How are we going to pay for this? Well, a few chapters earlier, God's got this. He said, this is how we're going to pay for it. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Now, do you remember three weeks ago when we talked about giving And I said that like a three-legged stool, there's always three pieces to giving. One is tithes, one is uh, first fruits, and one is a free will offering. This is a free will offering. This is not something they have to do. It's just like Hurricane Harvey. 
You might not be in a position right now to give for that. Or you may be in a great position to give to that. You may want to. You may not want to. It's a free will offering, which means what? You get to choose what you want to do. This is a free will offering. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart. This is how we know it's a free will offering, because it's their heart. Their heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, yarn, fine linen, goat hair. Okay, I'm not sure what you do with goat hair, but goat hair. Ram skin, dyed red, and another type of durable leather. Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, for the light spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Then have them make a sanctuary for me. The next six chapters talk about ten building projects. The next six chapters, Bezael and Aholiab lead these incredible construction projects. And I will dwell among them. And make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern that I will show you. And then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezazel, son of Uriah, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he's filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills. So Bezael, Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord God has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezazel and Aholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and to do the work. They received from Moses the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. In other words, what? Now we got the money, we can go buy the supplies, and now we can begin the construction project. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing, and they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough. Now, when have you ever heard a preacher say, we got too much money? Huh? This is great. This is a great story. They are so excited about this project that he's getting ready to tell them, we got more than we need. Stop bringing all this stuff. They are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order. And they sent the word throughout the camp, no man, no woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. That's amazing. That's just a kind of a miracle right there. Because what they had done, they already had enough to do all of the work. Now, we know in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul gives us another verse that really talks about your service. If you're a mom, if you're a dad, If you're a grandfather, if you're a nurse, if you're a surgeon, if you're a soldier, if you're a butcher, if you're a carpenter, if you're a painter, if you're a mechanic, whatever you do, isn't this what he says? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, he says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is a link between how well you work and how well people are going to listen. Let that soak in. There is a direct connection between how well you work and the doors of windows of opportunity that people are going to say, you know what? She's got a great faith. I wonder why she has, I wonder what she really thinks. 
I wonder what she really believes. I wonder, wonder what's really going on inside of his heart or his life. Your ability to perform well opens doors. You see, sometimes God shows up. and Sometimes God shows off. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what I want to do this morning is a little different sermon, but I want to raise the bar, and I want to talk about top performance and top performing. And then I'm going to give you some other things that, that kind of go along with this. But if, if you're like looking for a job and you want to know what somebody wants, I'm going to give you those. If you're trying to improve yourself and do better in your area of, of, of work, th- these are going to apply to you. If you're a student and you're in high school or you're in college and you haven't started the workforce, take notes, write these down, put them on the mirror, put them on your phone, memorize these. I'm, I'm going to give you seven right now. Here's what top performers do. They have a strong work ethic. You don't have to tell a, a top performer to get out of bed. Top performer can't wait to go to work. Setting and achieving goals. There's a strong work ethic. If you've got your app, take your phone out, download the app if you don't have it. All these are in message notes, sermon notes, and you can get all these and just fill in a couple words, and these, these are on our app, message notes. But top performers demonstrate a strong work ethic. They're, they're dependable people. I mean, I mean, top performers like what? Show up. If they say they're going to be there at 8 o'clock, they're there at 8 o'clock. Usually they're early. There's a sense of of dependability with a top performer, consistently following through. Top performers have a positive attitude. You don't hear top performers reeking negativity. Top performers are not toxic in the work culture, in the work, work environment. Top performers are creating a, an environment where everybody can win and everybody can survive, thrive. Top performers, what else do they demonstrate? There's just this self-motivation. I, I love fanatics. I think fanatics are awesome. Nobody wants to hire a corpse. Right? You can't do much with a corpse. A corpse, you got to push that woman or that man like up the stairs. A fanatic, you're like got ropes and chains trying to hold them back and trying to hold them down. And no, we're not going to conquer the world today, but tomorrow, you know. There, there's just this incredible motivation, self-motivation. Top performers, it's a team. And when the team wins, everybody wins. And the top performers giving it away the top performers making the team better, it, there's a team orientation. It's not just me, it's, it's truly, it's we making the most out of collaboration. And top performers demonstrate effective communication. They, they understand the benefits of, of clarity. We did a lot of um, leadership training, and we still do it, but it came up several years ago that, that on a scale of like 1 to 10, our worst one was really task clarity. And we weren't really clear as an organization with everybody. So we did well, but the, the, number, the worst one on the 10 was, was clarity. And I thought, you know what, that's my problem. That's my fault. I'll own that. And so I started thinking about how do I have those conversations with staff? How do we make clarity 
clear communication, one of the most effective things around Harborside. And so I started having conversations with the staff that go something like this. I may not be right. I don't have to be right. But let's be clear. Let's walk away from this conversation with absolute clarity. We both could be wrong. I could be wrong. We both could be right and think we're right. And, and, but, but let's be what? Clear. Now think about that as a parent. You're a mother... And think about the skill of clarity with teaching a child. Or as a father, the skill of clarity with, with your son or with your daughter. Can you imagine the, 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 cl- the clarity in a marriage? And just being able to be clear, I, I didn't understand what you said. What, what did you mean by that? I'm not sure about that. It's, it's just clarity. Let's just be what? Clear. And with clarity, then you know exactly what each other means. You know exactly what each other thinks. And you can what? With clarity, you can, you can go forward. Top performers are clear. Top performers have flexibility. Adapting is in a meaningful way. Principles never change, but practices always change. Business principles are changing. The world is changing. The principles never change. But the practices, they, they must change. So there's a, there's a bendy, there's a flexibility with top performers. All right, now I want to talk about principles of leadership, and I'm going to give you eight of these, and they don't go together, except maybe a couple of them, and maybe none of these apply to you, and maybe one of these you like, and seven of them you don't like. That's great. This is not in any kind of order. This is more general, and if one of these helps you, then it'll be worth you getting up and coming to church this morning, okay? So here's what, this will make you more effective. This will give you more influence. This will give you more ability in the workplace. And again, if you're like 12 or 15 or 18 years old in this room, I really want you to listen. Because I, I, I know it won't all make sense to you yet. This has taken me 30 years to understand this. But it will when you go to work, and it will make sense uh, as you get older. So first of all, experience is what you're going to get. But you don't really want experience. See, experience is you've learned the hard way. Experience is you didn't ask enough questions. Experience is you're not a good listener. Experience is you're really kind of hard-headed. Experience isn't what you want. You, You want wisdom. Wisdom is what you really want. And wisdom is learning from other people's mistakes. Wisdom is asking the right questions. Now, the only reason you wouldn't ask somebody the right questions is because of ego or it's because of insecurity. The only reason you won't ask, will you help me with this? You're ahead of me with this. It's ego or or it's insecurity. But we've got like 6,000 people that just here at this church. And imagine all the different people that you can go to them. There's somebody ahead of you in this area. There's somebody ahead of you when it comes to being a parent. You look at somebody's family and you go, wow, they raised four really good boys. How did they raise four good boys? Or they've got five amazing daughters. What can I learn from her? What, what can I learn from them? Or he's, you know, he's in his 60s and he's done business or he's in his 70s or he's in his 80s. I bet he hadn't made any mistakes. And you take him to breakfast and he starts telling you about all the mistakes that he made because he got a lot of what? Experience. I don't really want more experience. I do want more 
wisdom. I, I think you want wisdom, and it's available. You ask. You find people who are ahead of you, and you ask the right questions. There is always friction when there is movement. Don't fear it. You can't have one without the other. Let's talk about friction for just a minute. Think about a railroad, a rail car. And the, rail, the, the car is on the tracks. Now, how in the world does that train move forward? Well, it's on the train, and to get those wheels going, there needs something to be like energy. There needs to be some type of energy to start the wheels rolling. So it could be, back in the day, steam, it would be coal, it'd be fuel today, but, but something's got to move that. And so to move on those rails, there's friction. But is that a bad thing? Is the movement of the rail car going forward bad? No. That was the purpose of the steam or the purpose of the fuel or the purpose of the coal. It was to move the car forward. In order for you to go forward in life, there's usually just a little bit of friction, which goes down with number three. The absence of conflict is not a sign of good leadership. Let's talk about this for just a minute. Some of you are so afraid of conflict. You avoid it at all costs. You don't have a clear conversation with your spouse. You avoid clear conversations with your children. And then what happens is when conflict is not soft and so conflict is not quick and conflict is not civil, then what happens is people go like from passive to aggressive and now conflict becomes what? Volcanic. Explosive. And so conflict is not a bad thing. In fact, in fact, you can't go forward without a little bit of friction or a little bit of conflict. But it should be quick, it should be civil, and it should be soft. It should always be soft. I, I, I actually have learned to embrace conflict. I see conflict as good in moving an organization forward. I see conflict as really great in helping me with my children and moving, moving them forward. I think Danita would agree. She and I have conflict but it's not volcanic. It's not passive-aggressive. But we have conflict. How can we resolve something? How can we talk about something? How can we move this forward? I, I want you to see, and I've really tried to embrace this with our staff, that let's have a clear conversation. Let's move the organization forward. The absence of conflict is not a sign of good leadership. It is a luxury that church leadership gives itself when it refuses to ask people to step outside their comfort zones and when it puts off the tough decisions for another day. I'm standing up here asking you to give your life to Christ. That's conflict. Because giving your life to Christ means that Christ is now the leader and the ruler of your life. And you no longer are the chief commander of your life. I'm asking you, in the name of Christ, to do great things for the kingdom of God, which is conflict. Because there's things that you want to do and be self-centered and selfish, but for us to move the kingdom forward, we have to come together. There's conflict. I don't think conflict is negative. I've always seen conflict as really pretty healthy and moving the organization forward. Now, there's explosive conflict, and there's very negative conflict from that, and some of you have experienced that, and so you're scared to death. But it, it's a good thing. Be as passionate. This is another one, and these don't all go together. So this may not apply to everybody in the room, but for some of you, it directly applies. Be as passionate about minding the company's money as you are your own money. Now, that's a big one. Why, why wouldn't we, as stewards, as Christians, 
be very, very conscientious about minding, in, in my case, church money, but in your case, business money. Why, why, if you work for a company, why wouldn't we be very conscientious about purchase orders and about expense reports and, and all? Why wouldn't we be, be very conscious about it? And you know what this does? When people in your department see you and know that you are honest, it opens a window. It gives you leverage to talk about the kingdom of God, to talk about your faith when you are minding this money as much as you are your own. Are you awake out there? Are you guys alive? Nobody's breathing out there this morning. All right. Um, The simplest and easiest testimony of a company, in my case a church, but of a company, is the way it conducts its business. The way you conduct business gives you an opportunity to speak about your faith. If you conduct business well and timely and honestly, it gives you leverage. If you don't, you don't have a leg to stand on. The easiest and simplest testimony of a company church is the way it conducts its business. Be the best customer your vendors have ever had and pay your bills on time. We have a bookkeeper, Tammy, and we all joke about this on staff. We all work for Tammy. We love Tammy, but we all work for her. Our bookkeeper is on it, and she pays our bills quickly and timely. And guess what? People like doing business with Harborside because they they get our faith. No, because they get their money in a timely fashion. Remember when you hire people. Now, I've made every hiring mistake you could possibly make except illegal or immoral. I've made every hiring mistake except illegal or immoral that you could possibly make. And it's taken me 35 years to understand this principle. When you hire people, you hire their nature and their character. You will not change someone. You can't change somebody. It's who they are. It's wise to find out what people want to do and then give them a job doing it. Again, that may not apply to everybody in the room, but you're not going to change people. You may make them better, and you may motivate them for a little while, but not for very long. When you hear uh, such absolute terms as never, always, no one, and everyone, you ever heard those terms before? No one's for it, right? Or everyone's for it. Ask to see the data before making a decision. So when I hear, you know, everybody's for it, well, who's everybody? Well, about two people. Well, we have 6,000 people. You got to got two people or four, seven. Well, who's against it? Well, about four people are against it. I, well, that's great if only four people are against something. I figure that when Jesus Christ comes back and he interrupts a few people's Christians' breakfast, a few believers are going to be upset that Jesus interrupted their breakfast. So it's going to happen, right? Just, nobody's for everything. Ask to see the data before you move forward. That was meant to be funny. I thought that was really funny. I thought that was great. Anyway, all right. Top performers, they expect inspection. And they thrive in environments where people are held accountable. That's what top performers want. They want inspection. They expect it. All right, so here's how this all wraps up. They take up the money. They get Bezazel and Aholiab. They spend the next uh, six chapters building ten amazing projects. So all the work in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar. He put up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud 
covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Say that with me. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Sometimes God shows up. Sometimes God shows off. And there was a key verse this morning that said he put his spirit inside of Bezazel and Aholiab. And he gave them skill. And he gave them wisdom. And he gave them ability. That is every child that's ever born. Every single child that's born is born with amazing opportunities, an amazing future, and amazing skills. When a child is born, God didn't show up. God showed off. And you begin to think about even like right now, all the chemical reactions that are going on inside of you as you sit in church right here this morning. The the chemical reactions, you are inhaling oxygen. You are digesting food. You are managing equilibrium. Your, Your metabolism is creating energy. You're circulating blood. You're fighting antigens. You're filtering stimuli. And right now, your brain can calculate up to 10 quadrillion calculations per second. 10 quadrillion calculations per second. Sometimes God shows up, and sometimes God shows off. And what he wants to do with you is for you to be the best grandmother you could possibly be, the best surgeon, the best mechanic, the best plumber, the best salesman, the best leader, the best bookkeeper, the best lawyer, the best accountant. What God wants you is to become the best that you can be so that he can use you for his glory. Now, he never shows off in you for your sake. It's never about you. It's always about his glory and his honor. So here comes Jesus, and he's on the scene You talk about showing off. I would love to walk on water, wouldn't you? That's going to be so cool someday in heaven. I'm going to walk on water in heaven. I'm going to do it. But Jesus, his greatest moment to me, his top performance to me was not walking on water. It was not feeding the 5,000. It was not even raising the dead. I think it's when he was up all night in a trial, going back and forth to Herod, to Pontius Pilate, to these different guys, and he stands before Pilate, and Pilate's the most powerful man in the world, and Pontius Pilate says to Jesus, don't you know who I am? I have the authority, I have the authority to let you go or to do something with you. Don't you know who I am? And Jesus said, you have no authority over me. I have all authority. I can lay my life down, and I will take it back up again. I don't know about you, but I'm going with the guy who got up and got out of the grave. That's who I'm going with. Sometimes God shows up, but three days later, God was showing off. That's what he wants to do in you. It's not about you again. Don't misunderstand this. It's all about leverage. It's all about a platform. It's all about the people that he's put all around you, that you then can have a voice and make a difference. 
And so I, I want to encourage you. I, I want to challenge you. I want to beg you to become the best at all the different roles and responsibilities that God has placed within you. And the glory of the Lord is going to fill you. And you're going to be this servant that God can use for a lot of people to make a big difference. Let's stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. Where do you start? You always start with Jesus. Tom Goodlett last Sunday preached an amazing sermon. And Tom used an illustration and he said to this lady, he said, just just start with Jesus. And I told the whole staff, we're going to start coining that phrase. Just start with Jesus. Say that with me. Just start with Jesus. If you don't know where to start this morning, just start with Jesus. And maybe today is your day to give your life to Christ. Maybe today is your day to have special prayer with our prayer partners about your future or about your employment or about your performance or about things that you need to do. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You didn't just show up, you showed off and you gave him glory. And we worship you today. In your name we pray, amen.